Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Reptile Living Room. I am your host, as always, John F. Taylor. And as always, we are brought to you today by HerbHouseMag.com, or Herpeticulture House Easing, as it is well known. Uh, come on over, check us out, uh, give us a tumble, buy an issue, uh, buy the annual, uh, buy a, a subscription. We'd love to have you on board. Uh, we're the number one and only, obviously, digital reptiles magazine that advertises uh, just the uh, writers for the articles. We don't advertise anything else. So if you're tired of flipping through ads, tired of, you know, reading a bunch of uh, stuff you don't really want or don't really care about, do give us a tumble. You know, subscribe, buy an issue, help us out. We're the only ones out there doing this kind of thing. So we'd love to have you help support us and uh, get us through, you know, another year. Uh, it's only like four or five bucks an issue or 15 bucks a year. I mean, what's 15 bucks? You pay more for other print magazines that really don't even deliver that great of a content. So anyway, hope you'll support us, HerpHouseMag.com, and we are on the phone today with Marsha McGinnis about um, the women of herpeticulture and herpetology, and we're going to talk to her about the misogyny and uh, various aspects of being a woman uh, or being gender biased in herpeticulture and herpetology. So without further ado, here she is, Marsha McGinnis from Golden Gate Geckos in the Reptile Living Room. Okay, so we're on the phone today with uh, one of the... Uh, one of my favorite ladies, I, I must say, in her pediculture and her pathology, uh, Mrs. Uh, Marsha McGinnis. And uh, we're going to talk to her about the women of her, her pathology and her pediculture. Marsha runs Golden Gate Geckos up in the uh, Bay Area. If you ever need any geckos, that's definitely a place to go. Find her at a show, write to her, email, do something. You'll find her. She's out there. <laughs> I am. I'm at large. You are, very definitely. <laughs> so, um, now you... Uh, just recently getting over getting sick again. What the heck's going on, girl? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not supposed to get sick anymore. <laughs> no, I'm not. But uh, I, I have two autoimmune diseases, and so sometimes uh, I, I have to deal with one of them um, most of the time. Okay. But when both of them, uh, when I have a exacerbation of both of them at the same time, it puts me it puts me down. So. Oh. Yeah, it could be kind of discouraging, and, you know, there's a lot of pain involved and stuff, which can, you know, interfere with my, you know, with my uh, passion, which is my reptiles, but uh, fortunately I have uh, a young woman, Krista, that comes up and, and helps me uh, at least once a week, and she helped me with the last trade show I did, so oh, very cool. uh, that's good to have some help. Very cool, very cool. So basically, um, I guess for listeners that haven't heard you yet on in the reptile living room, how did you first discover uh, your original interest in reptiles? My original interest in reptiles started when I was a, a young child um, living down in Southern California in the uh, 1950s. And uh, my father was in the United States Marine Corps for 20 years, so we lived, um, you know, we lived off and on in Southern California close to, the, you know, uh, Camp Pendleton base. Mm -hmm. And... Um, as uh, back in those days, it was kind of wild territory, and uh, horned lizards, or we called them horny toads, were, were abundant. Uh, of course, now they're natural habitat and their uh, natural food source, which is the uh, which are ants, are being taken over, and they're you know starting to become. It's kind of their population is getting scary, but we used to have abundance of them. And so I was always collecting them and keeping them and feeding them. And um, also there was a, a, a kind of a slimy frog pond. Um, it was actually a cattle pond that we weren't supposed to go to that, and, of course, didn't stop us, that during the spring was just 
inundated with pollywogs and little 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 frogs. And so my brother and I used to go up there and collect little frogs and um, horny toads. And my baby brother had a sandbox that we used to build, like, these elaborate cities with roads and, you know, like, really cool um, habitats and stuff like that. And then we would just put the horny toads in there and all the frogs and thinking that this would be, like, a total, you know, resort for them. And the next day they were all gone, of course. But, uh, <laughs> but that's... That's where it started, and I've always, you know, little garter snakes, little um, uh, gopher snakes we used to catch sometimes, and um, every so often we'd come across a king snake, uh, and we were unafraid and uneducated then, so just by the stroke of luck we never, you know, suffered any bites or anything like that, but I've always been, you know, fascinated with all, all living creatures, not just reptiles, but I wasn't afraid of them, and course back in those days they called girls like me tomboys <laughs> uh, you know exactly. boys boys were frogs and snails and puppy dog tails and girls were sugar and spice and everything nice but yeah. i was frogs tails and puppy dog tails <laughs> nice yeah now, uh, what did your family and loved ones uh think of your interest were they supportive or were they kind of they were they were actually you know pretty supportive um my father actually and, and uh, was doing uh, i don't know where they were went out in 29 palms someplace out there <clears throat> in the marine corps to do maneuvers and whatnot and came home um with a with a uh, a, a fairly large de uh, california desert tortoise oh, wow. um and we had him for gosh for years his name was homer <laughs> And we fed him cheese, <laughs> you know, and stuff, that, stuff, and he loved it. But um, looking back, we did everything wrong. And, well, of course. And these animals seem to thrive, and so I've never been really afraid of, of animals. Right. Um, of course, we knew what rattlesnakes were and came across a few of those and, you know, gave them... We skirted them at large boundaries, but um, mm -hmm. other than that, I was—I've was never been afraid. I've always been fascinated. Cool, very cool. Now, <clears throat> did you encounter um, when you first got into reptiles? Did you encounter any challenges that you feel were a direct result of uh, of your gender or of being a woman? Um, I did, and of course, like I said, as a child, it was—you know—most girls, you know, uh, the boys are the ones that chased them with the frogs or the snakes. You know, and they'd scream and squeal and run and, and that kind of thing. And um, and I was like, cool. Uh, and so I don't know that it was really a challenge as much as it was at that time, uh, kind of just like a, it was, it was just was so unusual. Right. Um, most of the flack I got was from other little girls my age. Um, but the boys, the boys that were chasing the girls thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, they put one down my down my shirt back, and um, it, and I just try to get it out so I could handle it. <laughs> <laughs> now, as far as the reptile community uh, goes, when you first got into there, were there any challenges there? There were. Um, at the time when I first got into um, actually collecting and keeping reptiles, uh, it's been 17 years now. Um, um, there were some eyebrows raised at the time, um, but I've always been the kind of person that, you know, challenged gender boundaries. Mm -hmm. 
um, and was not easily intimidated. Um, but I do believe that um, during that time that women who were, uh, you know, interested in working with reptiles and amphibians were pr just not taken very seriously. Is is um, I didn't really experience any overt um, criticism or, or, or hard time. Occasionally, somebody would make a you know a, a, a you know a pretty nasty sexist comment here and mm -hmm. there, but um, I was never it never discouraged me. But um, um, I just think that it has taken a while um, for women to be taken seriously and to gain credibility as, you know, serious pediculture. Uh, uh, and I, I don't really see that problem so much anymore, but, it, you know, in the beginning, yes, it was quite a, it was, it was you know, quite an unusual thing to see um, a woman, um, you know, working in a historically male-dominated hobby. Right, right. And how did the general, the community at large, how did they react to you when you originally showed up at your first show? I think it was a novelty for people who were looking for um, reptiles. I think that it was, you know, and, and, and it was actually kind of cool in some ways for people that came to the reptile shows to see a woman. Um, and at that time, I was already, you know, in my late 30s, early 40s, uh, you know, who was... Uh, you know, right up there with the rest of them. Um, right, right. Now, the other breeders um, were a little more standoffish. Mm, okay. And I think that they, like I said, I don't think that uh, I hadn't established real credibility yet. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think they took me seriously and kind of figured that maybe I'd just kind of go away. Right. Eventually. Right. Fooled right. them, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Very definitely. <laughs> but you know, and th this was before the internet was really, you, you know, where, you know, where everybody was, nobody was really plugged in to the internet at the time. Um, right, because back then you guys were operating off of, you know, basically sheets from the from the importers, exactly, and things of that nature. So you know, has that now has with that with the electronic changes, I guess, has there been a huge jump in? Do you think? in more females or more women basically getting involved in uh, reptiles and things of that nature? I, I do. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I do. I think that that's helped quite a bit because that allows people to connect um, where and otherwise it would just be, you would have to be in a, a, a geographical proximity um, for people to have exposure at that point. Oh, gotcha. Um, right. And then once the forums, and, and of course King Snake uh, popped up, then then you know, all the rules changed, so to speak, and, and uh, I started working with geckos because it seemed to be um, the okay, you know, reptile for women to, to deal with. For some reason, it was very unusual for um, a woman to to um, be interested in, you know, in snakes or, or other larger reptile species. Mm -hmm. um, so geckos were cute, and kids liked them, and so women and kids, you know, that kind of blends, you know, and, and um, but I, I don't see that anymore. 
interesting. And if it's there, it's there, but maybe I'm just immune to it, and I don't pay attention to it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the electronic age and, and people being plugged in, and, and, you know, it's become, you know, a, a huge source of communication and exposure and advertising and information, especially mm-hmm. the information. Right. Um, and, it, and when we have business names, there's really not always a... Um, not always. There, in some cases, there are because we have the gecko guy, then we have the, you know, the, the snake chick, and you know, right. and that kind of stuff. But as a general rule, most names uh, of businesses or companies or anything like that are, are, are genderless. So people, you know, if you're communicating online or through email or nowadays texting and things like that, you don't really always know if it's a male or a female that you're dealing with. So. So I think that's helped, you know, diminish some of the um, gender barriers. Right, right. Now, speaking of gender barriers and how women are perceived in herpeticulture, what are your thoughts on, like, some of the calendars and stuff like that that have been done, you know, like, that show more of a, I guess, provocative side of <laughs> of women that are involved in herpeticulture? Do you think that... <laughs> Well, I, c- I think I know what you're. I think I know what you're referring to. I'm sure um, you do. I just don't want to say the name because you know. Yeah, <laughs> I responded to a, a, a post on Facebook, um, and normally it's. I mean, there are a lot of posters of nude women with large serpents, and, right. and I think the one that the very first one that I ever saw was, um, gosh, and I, my my mind just is a vacuum right now, and I'm not going to name any names either. But it was a recline, a woman reclining on her side. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was a big boa constrictor that she had draped around, you know, strategically to, right. you know, and 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 I can I consider it to be artistic mm-hmm. um, and seductive, and I think that that was probably the message that was trying to be put across. And I think that we go back mm-hmm. to our Judeo-Christian values when we think about, you know, Eve, the first woman, being. You know, tempted by a beautiful serpent. Right, right. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think that poster even had an apple in it too. Um, you, some of you old timers may remember the one I'm talking about, but you know, I see this wave of um, borderline artist, ar- artistic, um, and I think I don't have a problem with nudity, and I don't have a problem with serpents, obviously. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think that um, I'm a little less tolerant of it right now, and it's not because I'm a banner-waving feminist or anything like that, but I think that as of now, especially with the most recent, you know, failure um, um, in uh, the Python ban, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's extra important for us as herpers, and women especially, to try to be conscious of not portraying an image um, that is, it might, it, it might be conceived as less than professional, and exactly. or foster that um, that old school attitude that you know um, women are not serious herpers; they're just you know um, you know naked people that are you know expressing a you know a, a seductive serpent fetish and, and stuff like that. So I, I really don't know how I feel about it. I guess it would be a case-by-case thing, and it's and it's my, it's just my opinion. Right, but I think you took the words right out of my mouth, you know, because that's what I was going to, my opinion as well, 
is okay great you know I understand you're trying you're, the original reason for it was being artistic and what have you but now you know with the current climate mm-hmm. you know right. as it right. were it really it almost kind of bugs me to be honest it like, bothers you too I mean I mean, it's like you know you're you know and, and not just that people's company names nowadays you know or there's a couple out there that are like oh gosh I can't uh, yeah <laughs> that are very you know um, in uh, not apropos you know I mean yeah. a friend a colleague and I were talking a colleague of ours a mutual colleague of ours actually were, and I were talking last night and he was talking about this guy's um, profile on one of the social networks and it says like gangster killer or something like that and it's like right. really? right and he's the president of the Herb Society in his county? yeah I mean come on guys <laughs> well I just you know I just think that we need to be aware that how uh, we this has been a blow to the uh, the reptile community uh, this most recent uh legislature le- legislature but it and it's not going to stop there it's going to continue but sure uh, that's another whole topic we're talking about women in in right. pediculture and the image that uh, and, I, and I think that women uh, need to um, take hold of the situation and everybody likes to look at uh, you know a naked woman and, and a pretty snake sure Sure. Okay, I mean, I'm, I mean, not that I would go out of my way to look at pictures of naked women, but um, I don't find naked women offensive in any way. But um, and I, of course, I like to look at pictures of beautiful reptiles and, and amphibians. I mean, right. but I think that we have to be careful how now, especially now, how, what kind of message we are sending, and if we as women in herpeticulture. Uh, want to be taken seriously and be credible resources for this community, mm-hmm. then then we have to be aware and conscious of how we are being represented. Right, right. And, and what kind of image do we want mm-hmm. uh, uh, for ourselves um, in, in, this, in this hobby? Right. So I, 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 I kind of wishy-washy. Um, Things that, that I've always tolerated before and never really thought much of have a little bit more, uh, a little more bite to them, if you'll excuse the pun. Oh, sure, sure. Um, because I really think that it's critical that, that women, uh, and all of us, uh, the, the whole community, but especially women, um, you know, portray the image that, <laughs> you know, that, that, that we want, um, want to trickle down or, or should it maybe in this case trickle up? Uh, right, <laughs> right, very trickle up, right? Yeah, really. Um, and how we are perceived. Right, right. Now, um, as far as the community at large, is do you still see a definitive gender bias when you go to shows or uh, purchase supplies? Say, you know, for instance, um, Melissa Coakley, who was on earlier, was speaking about you know she went to this. Um, Herb show and needed to buy, you know, mealworms or whatever it was, and, and the guy was, you know, telling her, oh, you should, you know, be watching my booth, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. It was just a real jerk, mm-hmm. you know. Do you still see that? 
Well, I mean, it, and that could very well be uh, some kind of some form of gender bias. But we're also dealing, you know, we, we're dealing with a lot of people with egos. Right. And I do think it is harder for uh, still, although things are tremendously better than they were back when you know in the in the '60s and early '70s when I was in high school and and college, mm-hmm. um, you know, with uh, with you know the, the women's movement, so to speak. Right. Um, so I imagine that it's probably a, a little of both, mm-hmm. um, but you know we're we're dealing with people with egos. Uh, number one, and myself included. I mean, you have to have some form of ego to be able to do this. Oh, sure. And, uh, but on the other hand, I still think that there may be some kind of, um, and I don't think it's across the board. I think it's individual more than anything where women just are not taken that seriously. And um, um, in, in some cases, fortunately, I've been around long enough, and, I, I, um, and here's my ego speaking, but... Um, you know, I've been around long enough, and I have enough experience, and been exposed and, and interacted with enough, you know, people that are, you know, higher profile in this in this community. Sure. Um, that um, I've been an administrator in some online information uh, forums. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I do not get treated like that. But okay. uh, I do know some younger women or. Or, or let's say uh, newer women that are newer in this community mm-hmm. that are having some of those kinds of issues um, where they're just you know, they're just not taken seriously. Right, right. Now, and this goes back to our you know original thing where we were talking about you know the calendars and posters and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Do you think? And oh my gosh, I can I, I can just hear the misogyny now just dripping and. I'm going to get women hate mail, I swear to God, for saying this. <laughs> but on that topic, you know, we were talking about company names and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you have things like, you know, Sexy Gecko or, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have scantily clad, you know, you own the company, but the way you dress, and I'm not implying that, you know, it goes beyond that, but you, you're portraying a company image Right. As a female, do you think that could possibly bring on some of the misogyny that goes on? I don't know that if it brings it on as much as it perpetuates an already existing... Okay. Um, yeah. That would be um, a better way to put it, definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think it would bring it on, but I think it could very well perpe- just perpetuate an ongoing <laughs> um, attitude. Okay. Uh, um, you know, that's a good question. Um, I, and I don't see why women would hate you for you know these are these are things that need to be talked about, and it doesn't mean that anybody has to be rabid about you know their their um, you know either their gender or sexuality or uh, and I'm I'm certainly not for you know <laughs> censorship and things oh, like God, that. No. Definitely not. But yes, I do think it continues to perpetuate um, those kind of images. But let's let's take a step back for a second sure. and and realize that we are all brainwashed by advertising. <laughs> I know where this is going too. <laughs> okay, well we just are, John. Yeah, I mean, yeah. um, you, you you can't watch a TV commercial or or a magazine advertisement or something without 
you know, sex sells. Sex sells and everybody's buying. <laughs> and everybody's buying. That's right. And yeah. that may be a good thing. It may be a bad thing. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, you know, now, that you, now that you put it that way, I'm not really sure either. I just, you know, because I, I was so focused on, you know, the how females are treated. And the reason this, you know, whole thing got started, Marcia, which you know, you and I have already talked about off the air, but there was a comment made about, you know, a certain organization reaching out to the quote-unquote soccer mom mm -hmm. and you know one of our colleagues in the industry just was beside herself with you know who the hell are you i am a soccer mom i breed reptiles why would you come up why would you even say something like that <laughs> and then when i called you i think i called you that yeah night, well, you and actually. i did talk about that because, because, <laughs> and you're like uh, well, i'm a soccer grandma so <laughs> i am a soccer grandma exactly and so so I can see both sides of that. I'm sorry that uh, this particular woman, um, you know, felt that, that was a dig. Right, um, right. And I think that, again, it's a stereotype, um, just like just like anything anything else, just like, like sex sells is stereotyping. Right. Um, I mean, you know, even, even men have to use a certain cologne or aftershave in order, mm -hmm. and once he uses it, all these glamorous, <laughs> women with lots of cleavage are suddenly clinging to him, you know. Exactly. And so that's what I'm talking about as far as being brainwashed by, uh, you know, by media and advertising. So mm -hmm. um, if if we don't want that to be perpetuated, then then women do have to stand up and say, wait a minute, you know, I'm getting kind of tired of all this stereotypical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and some women are not tired of it, and, and that's fine. Right, right. That's fine. But on the on the flip side, uh, getting back to the original comment that was made about we need to we need to get the soccer moms out there mm -hmm. um, campaigning for um, you know our reptile rights. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really see that as a as a dig. I see that more of a and it, and it is being stereotypical. But let's face it, um, if if there were less naked women, you know, uh, promoting <laughs> reptiles in, in, in some of these ads, and more average family moms um, yeah. who, who have kids that they drive in a minivan, which is stereotypical, but you know what? I live in, I live in the suburbs. There's tons of soccer moms around here that are got minivans and they drive their kids to dance lessons to soccer games to you know to whatever mm -hmm. so i think that by bringing that up as we need to get soccer moms out there to you know to help promote you know the to dispel let's say some of the preconceived notions um of you know what is a reptile keeper's um stereotype mm -hmm. And at the same time, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a shooting yourself in the foot because you what you're doing is you're switching one stereotype for another. For another, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like and you of just course, can't win. I think yeah. Well, I think everybody's just a little too overly sensitive to what's politically correct, and and right. half the time people are terrified to even make comments because they're so afraid of getting in trouble for it, and you know, or making enemies. And we just we need to just stop that and. Right. You know, I'm not your stereotypical um, soccer mom. I don't, you know, I don't go to the gym and jog and on the, you know, I don't, you know, go to aerobics classes every day and then 
rush around in my minivan taking kids. I've been there. Right, right. But I'm a grandmother now. I have five grandchildren, so I am certainly not a stereotypical uh, female reptile keeper. <laughs> you know? And my, my grandkids think it's pretty darn cool that their grandma, you know, has snakes, has reptiles, has a, a dubia roach colony, and they crawl on my arm, and grandma that's sick, grandma that's gross, uh, you know, uh, you should go on fear factor, you know, and, and you, you know, that kind of stuff. However, even with my grandchildren, mm-hmm. if it were their grandfather who is involved in it, I don't think that they would brag about it as much if it was their grandfather doing that as they do right. my grandmother right. right and she's a grandma and she's a female obviously grandmas are females yeah. but but i think it's it's the novelty sure sure and so there so and that tells me that there are there are subtle huh. gender biases and, right. and in this case it's not a bad thing they're actually bragging on me so oh, sure yeah yeah so it doesn't have to be a bad thing Right, right. That's a very interesting concept. I, you know, I wonder if that's something ingrained somehow in our, in, you know, our prim- primordial, you know, pea soup brain mm-hmm. of, you know, gender bias of, you know, one, you know, one goes out and hunts and the other one doesn't. But see, then there's other, you know, and this isn't a dig against any culture, but there's other tribes or cultures out there that are just completely the opposite, where the women right. do all the hunting and then the guys stay home and wash the dishes, so to speak. Right. So that just, huh. I wonder if there's some anthro, you know... Anthropological information right, as far as is, is there an inherent um, difference in, in male and female as far as how they see... Uh, yeah, just the roles that they play and stuff like that. Um, as it pertains, you mean to to reptiles and in yeah. general, or yeah, that would just be very interesting. It just you know, well, both reptile reptiles and and specifically, but just how they how their roles are perceived, mm-hmm. and, and you know, is that influenced by a cultural thing? Is that you know, because I know we I, all I have think influences. Yeah, I think it is. I, I believe I believe it's primarily a cultural thing. Yeah. I mean. Um, for example, I used to like to go fishing. I don't fish anymore, and it was nothing for me to, you know, go dig up earthworms and, you know, for bait, mm-hmm. night crawlers and stuff. But um, most little girls were, ew. Yeah, you know? true. True. Um, my my family, my children, my grandchildren, uh, my husband's sister, mother, uh, who's almost eighty five, still still likes to go fishing. I mean even can I mean they 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 were always raised that whoever catches it has to clean it right, right. You know, so <laughs> you know things like guts and worms and you know that kind of stuff were were dispelled right away even yeah if, it's just the way it is but I also have a, a grandson who's like he will not touch a mealworm if his life depended on it um, we made a bet one time I had some super worms and he says grandma I'll, um, I told him I said Jordan, I'll give you, I'll give you twenty dollars if you pick up a, a superworm and kiss it. Really? And he was just like, "No way! There's no." He goes, "Okay, I'll give you twenty bucks <laughs> if you kiss one." So I I picked it up and I licked it. 
Only you, Marcia. I was I was half expecting you to say, well, I just hate the damn thing and gone over with well, it. Well, I, I thought that was a little over the top, but, you know. <laughs> But I licked it, and he just, he just, and this is a teenage son, you know, yeah, a grandson, yeah. and he was just going, he was just out of his mind. Oh, with, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I went, I made him pay up. <laughs> and, and he says, I don't have 20 bucks. And I says, well, then there's another lesson that you need to learn, and that's not to make bets with people. If you, if you can't pay up, just because I'm your grandma and you lost a bet doesn't mean you're off the hook. Yeah, exactly. I said, if you if I'd have lost the bet, you'd have made me pay up, wouldn't you? And he says, yeah, I would. And I said, okay, pay up. Well, he, he couldn't, so guess what he had to do? <laughs> he was cleaning cages. I know. There you go. Doing. Not only did, yeah, so to work it off, he had to feed mealworms. He couldn't deal with the supers, but he could deal with the mealworms. Wow, that's funny. I said, Yo, I'll pay you 10 bucks now. You owe me two hours of work. There you go. There you go. Now, looking into the next decade or so, do you see any significant changes uh, for women in herpeticulture and herpetology? Do you think it's gonna... absolutely, of course. I um, I I really think that if you go out there and do Google searches or go online to some of the forums and things like that, that you're going to see, you know, the the ratio of you know women or girls or uh, let's just say females to males, sure, um, sure. you know, is just increasing exponentially. Very cool. And also, since reptiles are becoming mainstream, you know, more and more mainstream right. uh, as pets and more households ha have some form of reptile or amphibian or or, or something like that, um, especially with kids, it's generally the parents that have to um, supervise the care of these animals, uh, whether or not they are the ones that, you know, pick out the proper, you know, dubia roach or not <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I think that um, you know I think that as as children grow up and, and more and more moms whether they're soccer moms or not <laughs> um, you know are becoming less and less um, by, you know inhibited by the idea of you know scaly things and bugs and that kind of stuff so yeah Right. And, and then girls, I, I sell just as many uh, leopard geckos to girls as I do to boys. Again, talking about younger younger people, sure. who, who are the who are the future of uh, herpeticulture? Yeah, very definitely, very definitely is you know that's one of the other things we need to remember too is you know these young up and comers, you know, they are definitely the future of herpetic. Well, they are, and if these kids, and I, and of course anybody under eighteen is a kid to me. But yeah. um, actually, my oldest granddaughter's nineteen, and she's a kid. So, so take that back. But uh, you, you know, when they go to the shows or and things like that, and they see more women standing behind the booths handling these animals, and and who are the breeders, and um, so these children are not really growing up with the same type of gender biases that, that we did growing up, um, and a lot of it had to do with role-playing, or, or role, not, not role-playing, but um, role, you know, uh, the, the, the uh, gender roles that we had right. growing up. Um, you know, I don't think our kids are exposed to that uh, as much as we were, and so I don't, I don't get any eyebrows lifted from youngsters at all. It shows, um, I've also spent time going out to, you know, school school classrooms, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
where we'll talk about um, the, we'll we'll talk about uh, well, it's very interactive because kids just love to tell what they know, and and that's wonderful, and think, and you know, I'll just go up to the dry erase board or the blackboard in whichever case, and we'll just brainstorm. Why do you think people don't like reptiles? Why do you think they're afraid of them? Yeah. Um, and let's just list them, and then I'll just you know just brainstorm. Um, we'll talk about the differences in warm blooded and cold blooded, and you know, nocturnal and, and diurnal, and, you know, and and mostly it's the kids telling me information when I ask questions, and we'll throw it up there on the board and, and discuss it, and we'll go through and dispel all the myths about reptiles, and then, um, then I'll bring some of my reptiles down, and the kids are just absolutely fascinated oh, yeah. with them. And I honestly do not see any difference any significant difference between the boys in the classroom and the girls in the classroom. Interesting. Yeah. And so when they, you know, and then they also see a grown woman who's old enough to be their grandmother uh, who works with reptiles, who goes to the shows, who gives talks, who educates, who lets, who picks them up and lets kids feet hold them or touch them. They're, they're, they're not going to grow up and, and, and think, you know, that it's, it's, a taboo for um, a young girl to grow up into her, you know, into adulthood without, you know, with, with having these um, insubstantiated uh, gender fears, so to speak. Right. <clears throat> right. Very cool. So, no, I think the future is just, it, gosh, in just the 16, some, almost 17 years I've been in, I've seen a tremendous change. So 10 years is going to be even better. Very cool. From now on. Huh. Very cool. I, and, Marsha, I definitely appreciate you being on the show once again. Um, and you can always find uh, Marsha McGinnis at Golden Gate Gecko, uh, GoldenGateGeckos.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, we'll put her uh, uh, business card and all that good stuff in the, slide, in the uh, show notes there so you guys can find her really easily. Awesome. Uh, one little quick plug, though. Yeah, uh, stay definitely. tuned in the next year to see uh, another side of Golden Gate Geckos. Really? Uh, yes, and it's going to be uh, Look for Moralia by Marsha. Really? Yes, sir. So pretty soon um, well, I'll darn. be... I do work with Moralia python species. Right. And so I'm going to certainly not on an enlarged scale, but I'm going to introduce that side of my passion for reptiles uh, with the Morelia uh, species, green tree pythons, uh, uh, um, Australian carpet pythons. So um, I will be debuting Morelia, Morelia from Marsh, by Marsha um, probably next fall. Wow. So that's just one more little, little side of this grandma here who, who <laughs> loves creatures. Very cool. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that. Well, it's a, it's always a pleasure talking to you, John. And um, you know me. I'll I'll do anything I can to promote, uh, you know, a healthy aspect and a healthy attitude towards you know the reptile uh, community and definitely. and the future of herpeticulture. Very definitely. And so there you have it. That was Marsha McGinnis of Golden Gate Geckos. Do check her out at GoldenGateGecko.com. We'll have her uh, website links in the show notes. And once again, do uh, folks. Do please check us out, herpalsmag.com. Also, uh, check out reptileapartment.com. Uh, sign up for the newsletter there. we got some really killer uh, information coming up here in the next couple of months. You're not going to want to miss out, and I'm not just BSing you. We are 
possibly launching a new site that uh, may be of interest to some certain individuals. So do sign up for the newsletter. You'll get all the information before anyone else does, before it actually goes public. And uh, not to mention, we give away free stuff all the time. Uh, subscriptions to e-zines, uh, products, uh, reptile supplies, what have you. So, yeah, what do you got to lose? It's a free newsletter. If you don't like it, unsubscribe. No harm, no foul. All right, folks, we'll see you next week in the Reptile Living Room where we are talking with uh, Julie Bergman, Sarah Vernum, and Kristen Wiley. Um, Melissa Amarello is upcoming uh, all in the next few weeks here. So please, uh, let us know what you think in the comments. You know, let us know in the show notes. Uh, give us a comment. You know, hey, we like it. Um, here's some other questions we want to hear about. What have you. This show is all about you folks. So, uh, once again, thanks for tuning in to the Reptile Living Room. I'm your host, John F. Taylor, and we will see you next week in the Reptile Living Room. <laughs>